Welcome to the Main Deck Podcast. If you like games like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, Flesh and Blood, and many, many more, you're in the right place. For all of our TCG news and content and links to all of our socials, visit www.maindeck.games. Now, on to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Main Deck Podcast. This is the only podcast. That's it. This is it. This is the one. This is is the only podcast for trading card gamers by trading card gamers that we produce. I guess that part's true. Um, There are certainly other ones, and they're great, too, but we're glad that you guys are here to watch us. So if you are a trading card game fan, if you like playing Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, My Hero Academia... Uh, what can we name today? We Cross, uh, Force of Will, you know, all sorts of trading card games. That's the upcoming amazing card game, Grand Archive. Yes, we're big Grand Archive fans too. Maybe you're into Nostalgics, MetaZoo. Um, chaotic. Cha- chaotic. Wow, that's an old one. <laughs> the Star Wars CCG. Hey, hey, you referenced it instead of me this time. Thank you. Got that out of the way. It's already been referenced. Um, zoo Tiles. That's a, that's actually, that's another, that's an interesting one coming up. Um, that's been, uh, actually I can't remember if it's been Kickstarter or not. Anyway, whatever. Uh, if you're into trading card games, you're in the right place. So today on the main deck podcast, I'm joined. My name's Dan Green. I'm joined by my host, co-host Jordan Syverson. Welcome everybody. And today our topic of discussion, when we get to it, will be playing TCGs online, which has just been a, a big thing ever since that whole, the whole thing that happened in the world recently with the, the disease and stuff. So it's more of a thing than it's ever been before. Um, and I thought it'd be kind of interesting to go ahead and just kind of talk about our experiences playing trading card games online. And I am sure a lot of our listeners, our audience have their own experiences to share. And uh, if you guys, you know, if you have your own experiences with playing card games online to share that you want to pop down in the comments, we'd love to hear from you. Before we get to that, of course, though, we are going to talk a little bit about what we've been playing lately. So, Jordan, why don't you lead the way here? It's been a while since we had you on. It has been a, a number of episodes but and a number of months because we missed last month. Um, so what have you been playing lately? Um, well, I guess mainly, no shocker to anyone based on the videos that I've been producing, is uh, the My Hero Academia format for the universe's card game. Very specific, but um, true. Yeah, um, it's uh, very good. Um, I, of course, like it. Big fan of the the game. There's a lot of fun di- deck diversity. I like playing around with all the different sick decks. I have a bunch in the in the chamber right now that I'm testing and getting excited about. Uh, set 2 had come out. I've played in a fair amount of online tournaments for them. And uh, there's also some other random smaller card games that I've played. Um, not necessarily in-person card games, of course, Wait, which hang on a matches the theme today. Before you get to the other card games, we're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit about My Hero Academia, because I think the last time I recorded a podcast, I had said, I had maybe even said I hadn't even looked into it now. And since then, in the intervening months, I'm like full in, finally. <laughs> um, so Yes, he's full in to the point where he's already buying $50 promos. Hey, hey you know what? They're beautiful, <laughs> though. Like, you got to have them. They're great. Um, they're great. <laughs> $50, $50 parallel promos. They're not even like exclusive. Like I can only get them as a promo. Like I have the common version sitting back here, but I don't want them. I want the nice ones. Um, yeah. Uh, my hero man is like the, the, I am so addicted to building decks for this game. 
Um, I can't be stopped. If anyone pops in our Discord, this happened the other day, and anyone says, anyone have a Mineta 1 list or something? I didn't have one, but I did after a, <laughs> you know 15 minutes. I was like, I bet I can build one. And you know, I've just I've built I have this personal account on UVS Ultra, uh, the deck common deck building website for you for universes in general, um, where I just have so many lists that have piled up because I I just can't stop building new. Okay, what if what if I built what if I built uh, Jiro on the all symbol and like what can I put in that and then just start like. You know, it's I, I find it super, super addictive. If, if you are a fan of deck building in general um, and exploring, you know, all the options, um, it is one of the games that I feel is is the uh, most satisfying to to build decks for and come up with like exactly the right kind of tricks and synergies to to make a deck unique. And every character's there's like sixty six, I think, or something characters right now, and they're two sets in. And every character has, yeah, every character has three different symbols you can build around. And then that's before you even get to like individual card choice, which can completely change what a deck is doing too. Um, and you know, that alone, I think is the, the hallmark of like, this game just has a lot of freedom, uh, for building your deck. So really been enjoying that too. And to anyone who's like new or don't, doesn't know the game uh, or coming from just like something like magic, um, I don't know if that's still the case, but most of the time, Magic, uh, like the top, like the actual like top tier decks, there's like five to seven that are really like the power players, and you can win with non decks of those, but it takes a sheer amount of luck, or the people that are playing the good decks need to not know what they're doing with them. Um, in this game, uh, from pros to like rookies, the they the consensus is that at least half of those sixty six characters are very tournament viable, and uh, you can see that in some of the a lot of the tournaments, the bigger tournaments where people are trying to be the best that they can be, uh, the top cuts are always like the the like almost in 16 individual characters most of the time. Like the most that they double up on is like there'll be two of a certain character like twice or something. Like the most prominent popular decks will have two copies in the top 16 and the rest are individual characters. So Yeah, the, the um, I think, you know, what it comes down to is that as much as I'm someone who like absolutely appreciates Magic the Gathering, I've been playing a, a ton of Arena still and everything. Um, games like Magic tend to be um, with you know with the way the resource system pans out and and the way that you you play cards every turn and everything um, tend to have uh, plenty of decisions. Obviously, like obviously Magic is a skillful game, um, mm-hmm. but those decision trees are fairly linear in that like on turn one your options are X and Y. And on turn two, your options are now, uh, if you didn't play X, X is still there, but now you can play X, Y, or Z. Um, and they and they sort of just kind of, you know, just push out from that direction. And then you make this decision and it just kind of branches down. Okay, now my turn two can be this. And then because I did this on turn two, now my turn three can be this. Whereas in universes, um, Outside of the first turn where you can't attack and your options are like fairly linear, straightforward there. It's just kind of what order do you put the foundations in that you're playing or whatever. Um, outside of that, once you get to like you have some foundations in play, it's turn two. Your options every single turn are completely different um, based on what you drew and based on what you and based on what you chose to do last turn. But to this degree where because you see so many new cards and because you can play basically anything in your hand at any point, um, 
and and it's just a matter of like, should I be playing this right now? Should I? Am I going to make the check for this right now? Your options expand so massively that it um, it becomes very hard for two competing decks to just kind of have well, this one's game plan is just more like efficient than this one's game plan, so it wins. There's so much more player agency in in selecting what you do. It all of the 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 decks power levels are a little more towards like a middle of a bell curve. Um, spread across it. There's certainly ones that are like any life deck in universes tends to have a, just a little bit better odds uh, than some decks just because they have like some more options, some more defensive tools that are just some of like the stronger ones in the format. Um, a couple of the life characters just are generally thought of as like, well, they just have a little bit more raw power than some other characters do. Um, and so I think you typically see like uh, life decks tend to be in the top cut pretty much every time. The question is just like how many of them, which characters are being played, um, and because of the the way that those those turns pan out, your um, your individual play skill is going to come into into play quite a bit more. And you can take any deck and just sort of like play well with those sequences, see kind of have some good foresight into what's going to be happening, and and play decently into your opponent and still perform really well. And you're not you're like never really just like well I, my opponent just kind of had better cards and, and better uh, efficiency than I did, so my deck never stood a chance. It's like I never feel that way playing the game. Like, I just didn't stand a chance. I, I always come out afterwards and I'm like, okay, I see maybe on that turn I should have held back and and built out more and then, like, let, you know, bait them into attacking me so that I have a better next string or something. Um, and, and it's just full of decisions like that, which I think are a, a huge boon for it. Yeah. And because there's so many options, it's a uh, less of a. I'm, I'm going to use this term, but don't take it to heart because it's 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 not this by any means. But it's the only term I can think of that's close to how I feel about it. Uh, something a game like Magic um, is a little bit more, and to some degree, things like you know Yu-Gi-Oh and DBS as well, and especially Pokemon. Um, the game and format is more solvable, if you will, because of the way the resources are structured. Like there is always a when you build your deck, there is an optimal play for every turn for your situation. So it's a lot solvable. Obviously, it'll change based on what your opponent does. That's not always the case. But compared to universes where literally every ability you use and the order you use them in, there's not really a, this is the most optimal. There's a few times where that's the case. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, it's like, there's no optimal path. So you just kind of have to like have the intuition and a little bit of like bluffing sometimes because there'll be times where like everything you do, your opponent can interact with. Like in Magic, if they don't have creatures and they have, you know, no blue mana, you're pretty well knowing that there's a very minimal or close to zero chance that they can stop you doing whatever you want. So you can just do whatever you want and know that they can't interrupt you. In universes, your opponent gets a priority to do something after everything you do. And then the actual attack. They could block it, they could not, they could try to block it, fail, and like all these options drastically change how you may do it because you don't know what the opponent has or what they're going to do, if anything. I wanna I wanna actually give for the audience who, you know, haven't played um this too much, I'm gonna give like a this is like a baby mode example of like a really just a really basic bluff in universes. And when you're a pro player, this is, you know, like I said, this is like, you know, you're used to this kind of thing and you're already thinking on like, 
way higher levels of bluffing. So don't don't go and think like, wow, that, like that's that's all he has for like bluffing. But like this is a, just a really basic and easy to understand example. So there's a character. Um, there's a character in the game who his name it's it's Dobby if you're familiar with the show. And he's got uh, two enhances. One is a, um, and, and basically the way he works is you can only use one of those two enhances uh, activated ability when you use an attack, basically. You can only use one of those two on every attack. You have to choose which one you're going to use because they, th- whichever one, it has to be the first thing you do after you use the attack. So one of them okay. is you can give the attack that you're currently playing plus one speed, plus one damage. Makes it harder to block, makes it do more damage. The other enhance is you can give the next attack you play plus three damage. You use it on this attack, and then the next time you play an attack, it gets more damage. So easiest baby mode bluff in the world. Jordan already got a little smirk because he knows what I'm going to say. Is you only plan on doing one attack on your turn, and you go ahead and you play it. Now, like, you know, if you're just thinking stats, you're like, well, obviously I'm going to buff this attack because I'm not going to play any more attacks. So instead, you play that attack and you say, okay, and now my next attack is going to get plus three damage. And then your opponent goes, oh, well, let's see. He's probably going to try and throw another attack that I really want to stop then. I better conserve my resources. And then they'll just choose not to block it. And then you're like, okay, take it. Uh, Now I'll build some foundations. Your turn. (laughs) And that way, you know, that's just like the really basic bluff that you can do in the game. And the opponent can completely fall for it. And then they'll go, oh, all right, you got me. And then the next turn, you can do it again. And now we're on the second layer, right? And then they're like, uh, okay, I guess I'll block this. And you're like, okay, now I'm going to attack again and attack again. And then now you've gotten them to waste their resources and make it harder for them to block other things in the future. That kind of play is exactly the kind of stuff that, and like again, that's like the really, like, really obvious baseline one. Once you start thinking, wow, how can I like kind of screw with my opponent? You start getting into their mind. Um, but then there's, the game is full of like way deeper plays with way more, um, intricate abilities where you can, you can sort of predict how your opponent's going to respond to this and your ability to get in your opponent's mindset, um, is, is one harder in this game I found than, than magic in, in magic. It's, it's a little easier once you get past those basic levels of just like play dudes and attack and you start thinking, what does my opponent need to do to win this game? And what, what are my lines to try and reduce their chances of, of doing that? Um, there's that kind of layer of getting my opponent's head, you know, like, uh, okay, my opponent magic bluff is I'm a blue player. And even though I don't have a counter spell, I leave two untapped just because the opponent will think I have, I mean, a yeah, it, but exactly like that is definitely stuff you do. Um, for sure. You, you gotta think, okay, like my opponent is going to try and resolve this giant thing. I'm going to keep two mana open, even though I don't, I, you know, I could do something else that's marginal with it. And then my opponent might go, Oh, well, I don't want to cast this until he's tapped out. And then it buys you a turn or something like, and, and I don't want to like discount that. Cause that's like really good magic play for sure. Um, but, and if you're really good at it as a blue player, you will also think on it. And they play basic stuff in the beginning. Cause then it really makes it drives it home in their head. Like, Ooh, he is thinking about it. He does have something that could stop me. Maybe I shouldn't play this thing. Yeah. Because he's just gonna counter it. Yeah, yeah. And and for sure. And like that's that's the kind of stuff that in just card games in general, that we as like competitive players who like to at least think we're competitive, um, will will enjoy, you know, exploring and, and figuring out how to like get every little edge and and play those little mind games so that you you feel really good after you, of course, you succeed at them or you you call someone's bluff and and stuff like that. Um, but universes is just so like, absolutely, uh, this, this there's, it's so open. There's so many sort of degrees of freedom for your play every time that like, it just feels like there are 
uh, it feels to me like someone who's still like compared to the good players, like relatively new, it feels like there's this infinite amount of experience I have to gain still to get even close to like what the pro levels, the pro players are thinking of, um, which I think for some people could be intimidating. Um, and for other people, it's very exciting because there's, there's something to be said about games where, like Magic where uh, you can play a few games and already feel like you're like making really good plays and stuff. Um, but if you're playing with a play group who's more experienced in My Hero Academia or something, and um, you, you're you're gonna start butting your head against a wall pretty quickly, where it's like, wow, like why are why do I constantly lose all of the time? Um, and you really do have to go in understanding that there is a there's a skill differential, and it's really big in this game. Um, it's harder to just like win because you sequenced you know, the kind of the obvious normal sequence that you do in like in magic. It's like, here's a red deck. Red decks aren't brainless. I I never, I always argue that, that they certainly are, but like, it's way easier just to like go play guy attack. Okay. Turn two, play guy attack, turn three, play guy attack and like win the game. Um, It's way, it's, that's way more possible to do in a game like magic with a, a, a basic aggressive deck. It's really hard to just have like an obvious sequence in universes. And that makes it harder for a new player to just like pick up, those feel good wins right away if they're playing against more competitive players. So another yeah, go ahead. Thing for that, um, a, a thing I'll just bring up because I know it's a meme in the community, but a uh, a great example just to show how big of a potential skill differential there is is there's certain characters in the game that will outright annihilate new players and to the point where new players will be like, this is impossible to beat, but against a seasoned or even just like a like person with some experience they're just impossible to not beat um a great example i gonna bring up is nomu nomu is the biggest like new player just killer and don't get me wrong he can just go off and body like other players too but it's because they don't have the means to stop him but like knowing what nomu does and preparing for it makes it so much easier to just outright kill him but if you're a new player you're just gonna like throw attacks pump the damage like not get through his high health. He's going to hit you for a million because you didn't hold any blocks. You didn't that you weren't thinking about what attacks he's going to have a hold block zone so you can stop his big damage because most of his attacks are easy to stop. They just do like half your health in one hit. Yeah. But like as a new player, yeah, since I've been teaching people the game recently, like quite a bit, like they've landed on Nomu and like they'll I'll see them fight each other. And the the one guy's like, oh man, Nomu's so dumb. It's so impossible to fight him. And I'll be like, he's not. You can, you know, you just got to do this, this, this. And he'll trust me. He's not nearly the boogeyman you think he is. And then the Nomu player would be like, well, I want to try you. Let's test your theory. And then complete like didn't touch me once, bodied him. And he's like, what the hell? How did this even happen? I'm like, because if you know how to, if you know what's coming, you plan for it. Like you know, kind of the overall strategy. He's not as good. He's not bad, but he's not as terrifying as he seems in the beginning and that's a good example of like the skill differential just in one character like how you approach it is going to drastically change your like outcome in the end because your actual interactions as a player account more than the actual cards you're using most of yeah i mean that's a really perfect example um to point out for that for sure it's something that happens in every card game but it's just so it's it's so ingrained in universes because of how uh, how many, you know, options you have for every action you do. It's, it really comes down to your own choices <coughs> are going to, um, are going to impact that quite a bit. Um, yeah. 
So any any other games you've been playing, Jordan? We've been going on universes for a long time. Um, yeah, so the next two aren't quite like regular card games. They're they're still digital slash online, if you will. It still counts. Um, but uh, I played Inscription. Definitely good. It's so good, in fact. It uh, is high up there, almost like game of the year for me, the year it came out last year, or I think this year. I don't remember exactly when it came out. It, it was this year, actually. And it was it's very good very good card game it's a deck builder so not quite like a collectible card game but everything about it's good and it's not quite what you think it's definitely a game you should go in blind uh because it gets better the more you play it and it's not what you expect and it just keeps getting better and better and now they've added a um roguelike repeatable mode so like once you complete the story you can just play the card game itself on repeat and have different outcomes which is cool so when you say uh, it's a deck builder it's like it's like a deck building game like dominion and ascension stuff you start with a deck as playing those would be when you play that game you start everyone starts with a deck or in this case maybe just you start with a deck and then as you play the game that deck develops and once you've finished your session or your your campaign or your game or whatever that deck resets entirely yeah um it's more and it's it's more along something like a uh, star realms i guess because uh in like dominion you're not like actively aggressing most of the time right. outside of a few random cards um, it's like Star Realms to the point where you're trying to kill your opponent. Um, you like summon creatures and stuff and attack them, but then as the as the game progresses, you'll get more cards, and then every time you fail your run, um, your deck resets to the base, like squirrel tokens and like a few regular creatures. Um, and it's uh yeah, and you'll get like more powerful abilities and effects, and it's it's really cool. Highly recommend it to anyone who just vaguely likes card games or even just video games great if you like um, any games at all just play this yeah, yeah basically like it's it's a fantastic game and it's a fantastic experience it's really fun to go through it I have like to i said it's out. not it's it's gonna blindside you with how weird it gets and it starts off regular <laughs> and then it just keeps escalating escalating you're like this is dope this is dope and it gets better so. that you, you kind of may be nervous saying it gets really weird though or do you, do you just mean it gets really the abilities get out there or what you- uh, yeah, you can get like weird abilities. Like, uh, there's a card where it's it's real crappy when you get it, and actually when you get to like, because you'll be presented with cards sometimes. You're like, you can add these to your deck, and like in the beginning, like I I picked it just because I was like, there has to be something. It says it's an ultra rare, but it looks like the worst card in the format. But its secret uh, ability is every time you play it, it gets a permanent like ability on it that goes between plays. So like as you reset the game, what you the? do you don't have that card in your deck right away. But when you see it again, anything that had permanently changed is still there. So like as you keep failing and playing again and regaining that card, it just gets better and better and better and better and better, which is just like weird and interesting. That one thing you told me <laughs> made me more interested in the game than anything you've said so far. That you got to lead with that kind of thing. That's <laughs> that's that sounds really cool. All right, all right, we're yeah, we're checking like out inscription. Every card you play, you're just like, well, I gotta, I gotta like pl- get that card in my deck just to see what weird stuff it's randomly gonna do for me. That sounds cool. I'm definitely checking that out, and hope some of our uh, audience checks it out now too. It's that sounds really neat. Yeah, and I will say, when you play it, make sure to play it to completion because some people haven't experienced large swaths of the game after like the, it gets really good because they assume it's just this one thing. But make sure you beat it to completion because. Like I said, it, things will happen and the, the cards will drastically change. And they like even some of the formats of the game change as you progress through the game. 
but you have to actually like there's different sections where you'll beat a boss person who like battles you with really intense stuff and then uh because it's set up and build as like a roguelike game a lot of people just assume like it's just this all the time but as you beat all the bosses more things happen and more of the game opens up and more cards get added but it, it's not outright told to you so you just have to like play it until the things start happening You're like oh 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 it's crazy and it's, it's good <laughs> that sounds great you, and anyone who plays it knows what i'm talking about but yeah like the cards get super awesome it's just yeah you'll it sounds it. like there's a lot you're holding back saying here which yeah which is it it's just this one of the things that's better to experience the, the cool like effects and stuff it's a happy yeah that's exciting um you said but, uh, anything else you think you said yeah there's another game actually just recently um i i bought it like three days ago and i think it's pretty good called Stacklands hmm. on a it's it's card game loosely i guess okay uses cards but it's still it's a fun game it was on sale for like two dollars on steam it's like a a city builder deck building card game if that makes sense so like you'll that have, sounds fun that sounds up my you, alley you, yeah you'll like build this uh, you'll start with just like a villager and like a rock and some trees and if you stack the villager on the tree uh after a while he'll mine some like wood out of it and then you oh. can sell like the wood to the shop to buy booster packs that'll have random other like cards and, like what sometimes you'll get like enemy cards that'll spawn and you have to like stack your dude on the enemy and then they battle and then you can get like sp- you can build spears out of like if you stack a stick card with a flint or like some iron you'll make a sword and then if you stack the sword on the person they become a warrior the warrior does other tasks slower but have better attack stats so when you get attacked by like demons or something you put them on there and then they'll battle and they do more damage it's it's really neat wow that sounds really cool too yeah and it's like it's dirt cheap but it's it's really fun and all the little art are like hand-drawn like things so like the little potato has like a little smiley face on it and so it's <laughs> it's adorable and it's really fun cool all right um well you know in addition to just my obsession with my hero we've been uh, playing a little bit of Commander, of course, get get a little bit of that in. Um, I have a couple of decks that I'm working on building. Um, MTG Commander, Magic the Gathering Commander. I got to say that for everybody because otherwise people think there's a card game out there called Commander, which at this point with how many... Uh, Probably. Yeah, with, there's been so many like Kickstarter TCGs and stuff popping up all over the place. Um, I could see one being called Commander and it's like a, a World War II yeah. collectible card game where you have like tanks and infantrymen and different guns that you could equip on. Well, yeah, that, that is not what I've been playing. You know, a little bit, a little bit of Magic the Gathering Commander. We had uh, some, some, you know, fun sets released recently. Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate came out, which added a, a whole bunch of kind of neat stuff. I have a, I'm working on finishing a Tasha the Witch Queen deck, which I'm really excited about because the entire purpose of that deck is just playing all of my opponent's cards. Um, instead, and also <laughs> making little 3-3 demons for no reason when I do it too. So it's just my little demon army protecting me as I take all of your cards and um, and play them. So um, yeah, just a little bit of that though. And I think the big thing is that I, you know, I have been streaming. I think actually I started streaming since the last podcast. So um, if anyone hasn't checked that out, I uh, am on Twitch now, twitch.tv slash main deck games. Slash main deck games. Someone already had main deck, even though they're not doing anything with it. So slash main deck games. Um, link will be down in the description below. We've been I, I put up uh, one of our drafts we did on Arena recently, which is a seven X um, brokers or Bant if you're used to the old names uh, draft deck for Streets of New Capenna. But I've been playing not only Arena on Wednesdays, but every Sunday, I've just been messing around with all sorts of different stuff. So we had um, we had a, a Sunday where we played some tabletop simulator, My Hero. 
and um, I have played some uh, a, a digital card game that um, the company Lightmare Studios actually reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to check this out? And I said, yes, I do. Um, and that is uh, called Infinity Wars Classic. Um, and that is uh, actually, I was really impressed with this game. Um, so I, I have to mention, I have to talk about this for just a little bit, but this game um, is... Uh, still an, basically like an early access on Patreon. There, It was an old card game. You may have even played it. You may have heard of it. It came out in early 2010s. I'm, I'm going to remember the number wrong now. 2012, 2014, something like that. Um, it came out around then, had a few sets. Um, had uh, Its big thing then was it was the, like before digital card games were really popular, it was the game where all of the uh, card artwork had animations on it. Now that's something that you see like all the, all the time, but... Um, it's uh, it's a sort of magic-like game. You know, you're playing dudes and you're attacking your opponent, but the, the big twist on it that um, I didn't understand how interesting this was until I really started playing it. There's two big twists. Number one, you know how it's fun when you play commander and you have a commander and you get to play your commander whenever you want so you can like build your deck around how cool your commander is? Um, in this game, you get three of them and they can be any creature. So... You, your, your standard game is you build your deck and you choose three, um, I don't remember what they're, they're, what they're called, not creatures, just units, I think, three units um, to be your, like, commanders. And whatever is in their resource cost determines what, what cards you can play in your deck. So it's not like you don't play lands or anything. It's, there's a bunch of factions. And if your three commanders have a red faction symbol, a red faction symbol, and a white faction symbol, you can play... Anything in your deck that has up to two red or up to one white faction symbol in it. Um, so you basically like have those unlocked, you know, like the whole time as you're playing. Um, and then otherwise, it's every turn you just get one plus one resource to spend, plus one resource to spend, and then it resets every every turn. So turn one, you can play something that's one resource. Turn two, you can play something that's two resources, etc. Um, and uh, so that 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 twist I thought was like really minor until. Um, I started playing it and I found it like really interesting because you could build a deck around like I have this two drop. I want to play it turn two every game and my whole deck is built around making this two drop be really good. I have a deck like that and it was and it was really fun. He was a little like he looks like the Punisher with wings. We just call him Punisher with wings. I can't remember his name, um, <laughs> but I play Punisher with wings on turn two and then um, he has flying and when he attacks the opponent, then uh, he gets bigger and it's kind of hard flying is a more rare ability in this game so it's kind of hard to block him so he just starts getting out of control really quickly and if the opponent doesn't have removal for him and i'm playing like some like stuff to try and protect him as well then uh he just keeps attacking 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 every turn till he wins um he's gigantic and wins so um you know that you can do that kind of stuff or you can build with like these gigantic like super powerful creatures so all you have to do is like stall until you can get to like I keep getting wrecked by this deck that like has a, a seven drop dude that makes it so whenever my stuff dies, he gets it. Um, <laughs> and so like all he's doing is like waiting, waiting, waiting. And then, okay, here's this thing. And then wipe your board and take it all. And then I go, Oh wow. Now I can't win. There's not a possibility for me to win. <laughs> um, so that stuff's kind of cool. But then the thing that's really interesting to me is that this game actually has like this huge prediction element because of the way they do the battle system that I haven't really seen um, done. I haven't seen a battle system done this way, but the idea is that you have an attack zone and a defense zone, and your opponent also has an attack zone and a defense zone. And when you play a creature, you choose which zone it goes into. 
So you're choosing, okay, for the next turn cycle, this creature is going to be attacking. Or for the next turn cycle, this creature is going to be defending. And you can move them on your turn freely between the zones. But but um, your zones, your turns are taken simultaneously. That's the big trick to this. So that um, you you both are doing things, and then once you've locked in your turn, then it resolves everything you did with a like uh, a passing priority. So on one turn, I'm going to be the one who's my stuff resolved first. On the next turn, they're going to have their stuff resolved first. Um, yeah. So you go ahead and you just go, all right, I'm going to put this guy in the attack zone. I'm going to move these two guys to the defense zone in this order because I think this turn he's going to move these guys from the defense zone to his attack zone, and he's going to attack me, and I want to defend them, and these guys will kill all his guys when they attack. And then it starts playing out, and then he like moved everything into defense or whatever. And then just defended my guy and killed me. I'm like, ah, I I predicted that wrong or whatever. I guess I I and that's what's really interesting and and the way that um that priority system changes how when you play like kill spells and stuff. There's some really interesting ones that are like destroy this creature if it's in the attack zone. It's a really cheap kill spell, but you have to predict that it's going to be there, and your opponent can be like, he might be playing that. I'm going to move this to the defense zone and try and like ace him if he's if he he plays it and does that moves the dragon to the defense zone i'm like why would you do that they did it to stop my kill spell you know so like that that kind of stuff is is really fascinating it it's um it's the plan for is the game is going to be free to play when it fully launches um it is currently like i said early access through their patreon which gives you um Oh, the, oh, when you get the game, you get every card in it. That's the big thing. I've got to say that part. That's the selling point to the game. You just have everything from the start. You can start deck building um, with everything in the game from the very start of it. And they're just using cosmetics as like their unlockables. Um, so when you do that, all of your cards are grayscale and like, I think not animated or something. Um, and then as you play the game, you unlock color versions, animations, and then special frames and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, so the idea is that once the game is, they're going to have a Kickstarter to add an additional set to it. Um, and that should be coming pretty soon. I think, um, they've still been like working. We've had, we did have some bugs in our, in, as we were playing in our streams, there were some pretty, pretty rough bugs that would like cause games to crash and stuff. So they're still working those out, but once those are kind of done, they're going to put the Kickstarter up. You're going to have access to, um, kickstarting it to, I think, get an account where you'll start with lots of cool cosmetics, um, and everything. But otherwise, once the game is out of this kind of early access period, you'll be able to just hop onto Steam, download it, start playing immediately. And it is something I, I, after playing it, you know, as long as they can get those bugs worked out and everything, I recommend people check it out because it just is like a, it's just an interesting, different take on things. And I think if you play a few games, you'll start to realize this is actually like pretty, pretty fun to like figure out how to, how to predict from turn to turn what's going to happen and there are some pretty crazy like combos i've seen people play on me too so lots of uh, interesting stuff to explore in that game all right so i haven't had a chance to look at it yet but i haven't downloaded yeah you i launched it once and then it told me that my account wasn't like hooked up and i was like oh well i'll try again later and then Oh. <laughs> I got busy later. Never happened. All right. Well, that's that's all good. When it's when it's free to play too, you'll be able to to hop on and play some. But it's it's definitely a cool game. I recommend people check it out for sure and uh, check out their Kickstarter when it goes live. If you do, if you do enjoy what you're seeing. So um, that kind of wraps it up. Though I haven't been I haven't been playing too much. It's been so much My Hero Academia, um, and then a little bit of Magic, a little bit of that. Um, I have a couple. I'm, I'm hoping I have a friend in uh, in the area who picked up some we cross and i want to play with him um to get some experience playing that game too so i'm hoping uh in a future podcast i'll be able to report back and say i finally got to play that game 
Um, but for what about what about Yu-Gi-Oh? Um, oh, I mean, sorry, yeah, on a stream recently, we've been playing, we've been playing, uh, I've been playing through the Game Boy Advance game, Yu-Gi-Oh! Worldwide Edition Stairway to the Destined Duel, which is a really, um, <laughs> I don't know, how do you review this game? <laughs> it's not good, <laughs> but it's entertaining, right? It's because you're basically reviewing a very limited version of the original release of Yu-Gi-Oh! where all of the monsters were... So there's just a set of them that are objectively better than 90% of the other cards in the game. Or more. Sure. <laughs> and you have super inconsistent and resource-intensive special summoning methods where, like, fusion is awful. Ritual summons fusion are awful. Um, <laughs> there's... Yeah, it, it's... And the game is just, like... There's nothing to it other than you just pick up a, an opponent and play them, and you do that over and over again. You can talk to people in the town, and they and, and they do nothing. absolutely nothing. They tell you the stupidest. Actually, I sh will say to their credit, there's one of them who tells you you should probably keep your deck as low as you can because that's good for drawing cards that you want. And good good advice for a new card gamer. Like absolutely, you should consider doing that in most card games. Most card games yeah. um but uh other than that which are like just i i mean i did it a couple times like maybe someone will like give me a pack or something but then i started looking up some stuff online i don't think anyone does anything for you i think you just want to keep playing opponents um my favorite part about the game is uh how they'll play it at something and then they'll be like do you want to respond and cancel it but they won't tell you what the effect that's happening even does yeah. Yeah, the thing that's so annoying is is like I can't read the card when they play it. And some Yu-Gi-Oh cards are like just a library book full of like text and uh say so they like, he played trap card. Do you want to respond? I don't know. What does it do? <laughs> and there's no way what is trap card? there's no way that I uh, you can't read the text on the card. It doesn't show the picture. They're just black boxes until you're like doing the thing where you look at a card and zoom into it to look at it. So, and I don't even think it tells you what the card's name is. It literally just says they're activating a magic card or they're activating yeah. a trap card or they're activating a flip uh, effect. And they're just like, well, what is it? Who's doing it? Yeah. And like, <laughs> it, you know, you actually don't even get to know the attack of the monster unless you see it in that just flash on the screen. So After like you've already accepted the the damage too. Yeah, well it's like they're like play a, a monster. I'm like, do you want to do you want to activate something? I know I have trap hole in play. And the fact that it's asking me means I can trap hole it. But I don't know if my current monsters are bigger than it and it doesn't matter at all, right? So it's like uh yeah, I guess I'll just be safe and use the trap hole because <laughs> I don't know because I missed I just didn't look for the split second where the number appeared. <laughs> So it's, it's a real janky game. Um, I'm going to, I might go actually, I'm planning on finishing it, like, like getting the completion because I feel like I've, I put time into it now and I'm committed and I have to get that done. So, um, I think this Sunday we are going to be continuing to play it, uh, until we get the, like the, I think we have to, we have to beat Pegasus and then maybe like bandit Keith or something like that. And then it's, and we have to beat some ghouls at some point too. But like, I'm getting to the point now where I'm winning almost every match because my deck is getting better. Um, and because we summon magician of black chaos, like a beast with our, with our sweet ritual summons and the opponent like can't do anything about it because we're smart and we play around their torrential tributes and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, 
not a good game, but we've been having fun with it in stream. So hey, hey, hop on uh, the next Sunday or two. Join me if you want to see that happening on on Twitch again. Links down in the description. Um, so with that said, let's let's move on to the actual topic of today's conversation because I think this just became like gushing about universes and then like blasting old Game Boy Advance Yu Gi Oh games. Um, Today we're talking about playing TCGs online. So actually, we were kind of already talking about this a little bit because there are multiple ways that you can play TCGs online. And one of the most popular ones is digital TCGs. Um, however, everyone kind of knows how those work, right? You hop on and you matchmake and you play someone and then you get salty or whatever because you lost and then you do it again. And you repeat until... You get mad at the nameless, faceless person. Yeah, exactly. You curse their name and you... Uh, you make up in your head, you make up in your head, this vision of who they are. And they're just like the worst person in the world. And, and they deserve all the unhappiness or something. And then you start up a new match and then you maybe have fun sometime. Um, but I, I really want to talk about, um, the thing that I think is, is a more, um, something that fewer players are willing to do right away because it involves, uh, things that you're not used to doing, which is like webcam play, um, is one of the big things that has become very popular for TCGs right now. And, and I bring this up, uh, partially the, the reason for the topic right now is because we've been running our leagues in discord, which have been going really well, but I have heard some, from some people like, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't played on webcam yet and I'm, you know, I'm nervous about it. Um, because like, it's more like you're in person with, uh, the, the faceless stranger from MTG arena. And so you already assume they're like this awful person, right? And they're and like you do one thing wrong and they're going to be like, you're disqualified from the tournament. I'm deleting your computer from existence or something like, um, but really it's not usually like that. And Jordan, I'm going to, I'm going to let you lead the way on this topic because you're the one who has actually has more webcam play experience than I do. I played a little bit of my hero webcam. Um, we play commander games, webcam and everything, but you recently had a pretty stunning little regional run with a, a Shigaraki in My Hero Regional. So um, tell me about how you feel in general about webcam play. How does it work for you? If I'm being honest, webcam play is okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of it. I do it because it needs to be done. Um, but I, I think me and a lot of people, like in general, aren't, aren't big fans of it. I understand completely why they do it, though. Um, but it's it's not perfect. It's not good. I, I think it would be better if they had a more clear, concise outline of what is required. I know they don't because they want to just have everyone include as much mm. as possible. But they really need to set like standards for it. Because um, one of the main complaints I have is not everyone's setup is created equal. And I'm not expecting people to have like, you know, big fancy cameras and a bunch of light and like, you know, stuff that actually would cost money to have a setup because you you already paid money for your cards, you just want to play your cards. But they should have at least a bare minimum. Like, uh, one of the things that I come across a lot with players is they'll have cameras that are so poorly in focus or blurry that I can barely tell what cards they're even playing or what the stuff on the cards is. And that's bad. And like, if this was like five, ten years ago, it would have been, I guess, acceptable because the cheaper cameras back then were just awful. But today, like the $20 like Logitech webcam has 720p resolution. Like there's no reason they should have a camera that's so blurry that it looks like Vaseline is smeared on the lamp. 
Um, also, the other thing is the way they position their cameras bothers me because there's there was a time um, where I fought a person whose camera window was so small that they had like their deck and then their play field was just like almost in a stack because they didn't have space on their camera because it was so close to their their surface that they had that there. there was no room for their hand to the point where the person like had to not hold his hand in his hand and he just have cards face down and it was bad enough to where it was a detriment to him as well because anytime he'd flip his hand over to look at what cards he has because the cards are not allowed to leave the the view range otherwise that's a dq essentially because if the cards leave the the view range there's no way to prove that you aren't grabbing you know a card next to you on the desk and putting it in your hand and stuff um which cheating is a whole nother thing that i won't get into because that's that's obvious that people can much easier cheat when you can only see what they want you to see but like this guy would literally like have to flip his whole hand over and i just the whole game i just saw every card in his hand because he just didn't have his camera set up properly and I don't know if he just didn't realize that I could see. I mean, he had to have. There's no way he didn't know that, like, I could see his whole hand. But, like, like stuff like that. And, like, there are some times where you'll get people and they're, you know, everything is fine. It's all good. No problem. But then there's also, like, just connection issues. Sometimes, and it's not always the players. It'll be the server. There was a, one of the times, actually, at the regional where um, the table they assigned us to, and it was just that table because I was able to connect to like the tables around me and other people's tables just fine. But when me or my opponent tried to just connect to that uh, table, it would disconnect both of us immediately and we'd never be able to get to our table. And we eventually like got a judge and they just assigned us to a different table and it was fine. But like stuff like that happens. Sometimes the whole server just breaks and then everyone disconnects. And then there's a huge issue because, you know, you want to think the best of people, but if you have, everyone just disconnect and you can no longer see what's happening for like a minute what happened Did the cards get shifted around did someone shift a life to it? like mm. there's just a bunch of problems that can occur even if you have a group of people that are a hundred percent goodwill good natured don't mess it up there's still like issues that happen it's not the greatest but again it is a method to play and i like playing um, i'm also a person who prefers to have cards in hand and i know i'm not alone in that so like the, the feel of being in person without being in person is a good thing. I do like that. I like having the cards there. Um, of course, it's really good for the developers because they have to have the cards, which means they're buying product. It's not like other ones where people who haven't purchased the game at all are able to play in tournaments if you have non-webcam uh, events. Um, but yeah, so it's like a mixed bag. It works. It gets the job done. I, another great point about them that I actually really love is the fact that um, it allows people who normally don't have the means to or don't have the ability to on that particular weekend or whatever travel you know, across the country to play in some tournament, especially when you have cool prizes most of the time at these bigger tournaments. It allows everyone to have a chance at getting those cool prizes and that cool, you know, whatever the prizes are or whatever renowned there is for winning it. It allows everyone to have a chance without having it be like, well, I couldn't go because I couldn't get work off or you know, I didn't have a thousand dollars to get a round trip plane ticket in a hotel room. So it's it. I love that aspect of it for sure. It it really there's there's tournaments that I just wouldn't have been able to play in because my work schedule or money or something along those lines, or I just didn't want to take five days of vacation to go play a card game. So it's that aspect is really nice. I think I think 
Yeah, you, you've got a number of points I can respond to here. There, um, I totally agree that it's a mixed bag. Um, the way I see it is that, um, especially when you're looking at these smaller card games, it's no big deal going to your locals to find a magic tournament, you know, like that happens mm-hmm. all the time. But um, having players to play Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, My Hero Academia, uh, We Cross, you know, stuff like that. Um, these smaller games can be difficult depending on where you live to find a community. And and that can be really frustrating when you're someone who just becomes really interested in these card games like we do. Um, but you just live in an area by, by your circumstance. You live in an area where it's just not conducive. Um, we've been fortunate in, uh, in in where I live um, to have some great stores over the years, a number of colleges in our area that um, have made it so that we have a pretty constant stream of, of people who want to play all these cool games that we like. Um, but, uh, you know, not a, we're not even in a very big city, um, and not, e- not everyone has that kind of luxury. Um, and, and the fact that um, if, if, there's, if there's been any silver lining to the absolute tragedy that has been the, the pandemic, um, it's been that it's sort of made it so that uh, um, among, among any other silver linings, the, this, this one is that it makes it that um, any of these card games that we love and we um, have had trouble maybe getting, you know, people have had trouble finding communities to play with before have become increasingly active online. Um, and you, before, before the pandemic, you never had these like, uh, online tournaments, online leagues, something, but it, it, it made it so people started to actually go, you know, I can afford a webcam. I can, you know, I can, or I have one because I started having to work from home or something. Um, and I needed one and now, now I can use it to play these games online or something. Um, a lot more people just simply have access to those tools. Now, as you said, that doesn't mean that people do it right. Um, or just have access to the, there's, there's a couple of elements to having a setup, uh, be right. One, you need enough space and you need a a webcam that's far enough away to not have that situation, that awful situation that you, you stated with that your opponent had. Um, uh, I see a lot of people who will be like, what's, you know, why is my, why is my webcam setup look so bad? Lighting is, I mean, camera work is entirely lighting. It's the light has to bounce off the thing and then go into the camera, you know? Um, and if there isn't light doing that, then the camera just can't see things. That's how, that's how a little bit of science lesson. That's how, that's how vision works. Um, and, uh, it's lighting is so difficult as someone who's been, been trying to, you know, we've been posting YouTube videos, trying to get better and improve our production and everything. Um, you need so much more lighting than you think you do to make things look nice, um, to make things bright and visible and everything. And when you're talking about taking, especially if you're like have a cheaper webcam or something and you're trying to point it down in some kind of generally like dark office or something where you can see fine, the camera can't though. Um, the camera needs more lighting in it than you're giving it. And if your your stuff's coming out kind of, kind of blurry and stuff, it's usually the answer is, well, um, honestly, actually, here's something I found. I haven't tested this yet. If you are in the situation, you're trying to make your cameras better. Um, we recently bought for our garage, these like 15 or $20, uh, like thousand something lumen garage lights 
these have become really popular. They're like, there's like doing some as seen on TV stuff, whatever. But basically everyone in my family started buying these garage lights and we walked in their garage and like, it's brighter than the sun in there now. <laughs> and, uh, we, our garage was so just dank and dreary and stuff and like could hardly see anything. So we just went and we spent, we spent like 25 bucks buying a couple sets of these like lights and put them in. And it's like, <laughs> it, it's the brighter than the sun in there now. And it's so great. Every time I need to go do something in the garage, I can see absolutely everything. It's wonderful. And I, I bought these and I thought these just screw into like any normal, uh, any standard light bulb socket. I bet you could get some there and they're like daylight white, the nice white light. So things are really visible. And I thought, I bet you could rig up something for very cheap, uh, with just like a little can, can light that you plug in that has a, a light bulb socket and then um, one of these things or whatever, and you will have no trouble seeing anything. Now, I wonder if it's too bright, right? Like, that's the, the one thing. Especially if it's just, like, shining right at you. Right. Well, you don't want it shining at you. You want it, you want it shining at the play surface. At an angle. Yep, at an you'll, angle. You'll be in the view range of it. Right. Or at least your eyes will be in the view range of the light because you're standing at the desk. The ones we got have these little foldable wings so oh, you might you block it from your face this is what i'm saying you might be able to rig these up and so this is not a this is not a proven thing this isn't dan at main deck told me to get this and he was totally wrong i don't know but if you're like uh, you know i'm willing to spend 20 bucks for science to like see if i can like make my webcam thing just like the best ever maybe give it a try. Like it's, you know, something like that might do the trick and it's e easier than buying like a $60 gigantic studio light or something. Um, so, uh, yeah, like definitely people need to work on their setups for sure. Um, if, if they want that, uh, but I think overall it's been a really nice boon just for our, um, trading card game community to be able to have these kinds of events that they can play in. Um, the fact that people have gotten, uh, so, generally capable of doing even if their setups aren't perfect of doing webcam events is good for the company like you said because they they get to continue to sell cards and i, I want to ask you i want to pick your brain about this jordan since we i played tabletop simulator my hero academia on stream a few weeks ago and if i had no other option i would do it again but if i have any other option i'm not doing it again how do you feel about tabletop simulator i am i don't like tabletop it's a it's a meme that grew legs. Um, if people forgot Tabletop Simulator, the reason why their old trailer like has such a big emphasis on like throwing pieces around and flipping is because they made it not with the actual intention of having people take it seriously because it was one of those like simulator games that was just to be fun. Um, it worked and it does work for certain games and like some board games, but it is it is not great. It is clunky. Um, Building a deck is clunky. If you've had to use the, you like it was so, so clunky, awful. Wow, it was and weird. People don't realize it's one of the easiest things to cheat in, um, because you're using it on a computer and macros. It doesn't track any actions at all. It doesn't like tell you when a player does something or interacts. It has some icons that'll flash when things are happening in the moment. So like, if you're searching through a deck, you'll have a little eyeball with your player color being like he's searching through the deck, but it only appears while you're actually searching. So you can do jank stuff like set a macro on your keyboard that uses hotkeys to grab certain cards and put them on the top of your deck. And that little eyeball will flicker for like a fraction of a second because you hit the macro. It does that action almost instantaneous. 
So if your opponent's not paying attention, you could do stuff like just stack your deck random. And no one can know, and they can't prove it. So even if your opponent did call a judge and was like, he, he did something to his deck, it's like, you know, it's just he said, she said. Because there's no log that says that player B did something to his deck. And it's like, it's clunky. It doesn't work. Like, it, it works. Sorry, it works, but it's very clunky. It's not verifiable. I don't like it. It's annoying to use. So this It costs money. So, like, if yeah. you wanted someone else to play it you're like well do you want to wait for a steam sale or spend 20 20 25 just to have the ability to play this game but it does like you said it does work if i had no other option it's not a, it's not like the end of the world but if there's any other option i will play it like i use untap when i play games online if it's not webcam because it works way better it's super clean it logs every action that anyone does like at all like it'll tell you when people do it what exactly they did um, so if there is something that is like an illegal play, you can walk it back very easily. If someone tries to cheat, it does it. Now, full disclosure, you can still cheat and untap, but it's much more involved. You have to know some form of coding. You have to know exactly how to like the back end of untap is coded, which isn't like super hard to find out, but it's more investment than most people are willing to do casually. So like it takes some setup. You have to know what you're doing, and then it's you know it's it's possible, but it's much more difficult. Difficult enough to where the the casual cheater, if you will, isn't going to bother doing. I like that this became the podcast where Jordan explains exactly how to cheat in every form of <laughs> online play. <laughs> no, but, like I, I just like on tap because it's cleaner, it's easier to see. You can read all the cards and blows up the cards when you need to see it. Um, Creating a deck is easy. It's easier now that UVS Ultra has an export forum code feature because you can just copy and paste that for My Hero. Sorry, in other card games, actually, it's really easy too. Um, they have export your deck features. So the prominent deck building software or websites that people use for their respective games, you know, Digimon, Dragon Ball Super, Magic, um, you literally just like click a button and then export it into the thing and your whole deck is there. <laughs> your whole deck is there. Uh, you can instantly just start playing after you make your deck. Um, finding opponents are easy. There's a bunch of hotkeys to make stuff easy. It's it's a little weird on some games, um, but for the most part, there's a hotkey for everything, and it just works. I've never had a crash. I've never had anything go... Because that's another thing, too. Sometimes Tabletop Simulator just messes up and crashes. Uh, it doesn't happen often nowadays because it's been out for so long, but it still happens. Um, but it's just... yeah. Untap just works, I feel, like better and is just more clean on crossword. And it's free. And it runs in a browser, which means you can run this on literally your phone. Actually, they have a mobile app now. I forgot. To, mm -hmm. forgot yeah, about they that. do now. Since the pandemic started, they've completed their mobile app and it works pretty well. Uh, I was actually surprised. I was expecting it to be kind of jank, but it works as good as you'd expect it to based on how good their regular client works. It's just use your finger instead of your mouse tap stuff and move things around we we've actually been um main deck has been a patron of untapped for a while um because we just we like what they do that said though me personally uh i will always i will always take shuffling real cards in my hand over any other sort of online play um oh yeah for in, sure the feel of the cards is just better. it actually it's to the point for me too where um i will i i feel like i'd rather just not play a card game than play um, e even as much as I prefer untap to tabletop simulator and everything rather than playing either of those two, if I don't have the option of playing of shuffling cards and playing with 
uh, someone with physical cards, I'll just play like a different video game for my my time spend typically. Unless it's like I I need to like test this deck right now or something, and that's what has to happen, and it has to be this way. Um, you know, and I think that's another good point as well. Um, oh, go, sorry, no, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, for both on tap and tabletop, whichever one you prefer. The one thing I do like about the digital formats having an option there is it allows you, especially if you're not the type like us where we just buy bonkers amounts of cards and have everything. Um, if you're just buying singles to buy the to play the decks you want to play, it allows you to play test extensively with every card in the format. And then you just once you are happy with your deck, then you're like, cool, now I'll buy these specific cards instead of because especially in universes, I know it is this way in some other card games, too, but. In my experience, universes is more so like this. The deck on paper performs differently than you think it will. Um, and it, it, it happens in other games, but in universes specifically, there's been combos and like ideas that I've had that I'm like, this is going to be so sick. And then in play, I'm like, this can be way better if I do this, 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 this. So like, if I would have bought those cards, play tested them, I would have been sad. And then half the deck is different now. So like being able to test it on on tap first and be like, all right, now this is where working the way I want it to. Then buy the cards is a nice boom. That that is exactly what happened when I played on Tabletop Simulator. Is I, I was trying a Mina Ashido two deck, and I you know on paper I thought yeah this seems pretty sick, and I played it and it was kind of a wet noodle. Um, and I was like, <laughs> okay, that maybe that wasn't the route. That wasn't the route to go. And so it was nice. It was really nice to be able to get that uh, testing done. But I wholly, wholly agree with you. Cards in hand trumps anything all the time. Just the feeling. And then the... to I, I think... Uh, I just lost my... Sorry. Uh, Shane Duckworth mm. uh, is a big proponent of... He pretty much just doesn't play it because part of the interaction is your opponent and being there with your opponent so you can read their body language as well. And I'm, I agree with that as well. Like You're missing half the game sometimes if you're not there with your opponent to see their nervousness, to see when they think they have it. Like Sometimes that gives you good tells. Sometimes there's attacks that you maybe wouldn't have held back because you're like, your opponent just looks too confident with his two cards in hand. He has the block. He knows it. I'll just wait till next turn and use this for a block. That is absolutely something that you experience. Um definitely in universes but you know actually let's let's talk about magic for a second too because matt you know mm-hmm. so so the, everything's a little different if there's an online digital client like an official one right like mtg yeah. arena is the preferred way to play digital or to play magic online um it's it uh, mtg online still exists but it's a it's the it's a whole <laughs> oh, man that's a piece of software all right um <laughs> very very talk about clunky like that's what that is just old um Arena, clean, slick, simple to play. But let's talk about when earlier you were talking about simple bluffs and magic, where you, you know, hold you 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 hang you wait your opponent make your opponent wait on early plays that there's no chance you're going to counter or something. And you go, hmm, all right, it resolves or whatever. Now, can you do that in arena? Yes. Do people do that in arena typically? No, because it involves you going through and and clicking to like hold priority on everything. And then it feels really annoying because you have to go, you have to start clicking the the button to continue all the time, no matter what your opponent's doing. You can also hold, I think you can hold um, space bar shift or something to hold priority during certain moments. But that is, it turns out for most players, it's just like a couple too many steps to have them do something where if they're playing in person, they are much more willing because it's just part of that social experience 
to do that kind of stuff. So you're, the play isn't actually even quite the same, you know, in, from that respect when you're playing competitively on arena compared to if you're like at an in-person tournament playing with people. Um, and it's the point where I like, I'm someone who absolutely will always be like, let me think, okay, it resolves or whatever, you know, kind of stuff. But I, in arena, I don't even bother. Like, whatever. Like, <laughs> if I have it, I have it. If I don't, I don't. It's, it's just what I do. Um, and, and sometimes when that happens, too. You don't even know if the person's actually thinking about it. You're like, did they just AFK? Yeah. Like, because of the video game mentality, like, the second someone's not doing something for more than, like, three seconds, you're like, did they just go get a drink of water or something? Why is the timer burning down? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Hurry up. Like, do your thing. It's, it, it, it does promote just a totally different um, experience, I think. Um, however... I, if I have an itch to play a card game, I will still much rather play a digital card game than even like my current favorite card game on tabletop simulator. I'm going to play arena before I play MHA on tabletop simulator or before I play MHA on untapped. Um, yeah, for sure. Because it's, it's so much more user-friendly and satisfying to play because they have all the cool effects. It's not just basic card being put on a mat. It's like, does all the cool stuff and it's just faster and more integrated. It's just a better experience. I agree with that. A huge part of it is just how, um, you know, how, how easy it is for the game to flow, how, how freely everything works. And the more like little stutters and stops and a, what button do I press to draw a card again? And like all that kind of stuff, like, wait, how do I flip this? Like, where do I, did that, did this go in the right spot in my graveyard? Like what's going on here? Um, the more of that, the more I just get kind of annoyed and frustrated and I, and and it detracts enough from my enjoyment of this the experience where I'd rather just play a different game entirely than than play that. Um, whereas I find with webcam play, um, it's not my preferred still. I want to do it in person where like like you're saying, I want to have that body language. I want to have that just the speed. It, there still is clunkiness to webcam play is the thing. It's not the same speed as just being able to play in person. Um, if there's a lot of like, okay, what does that do? You know, like which, which foundations do you have in play right now? Like, are those tapped? You know, like there's all this kind of stuff. Your favorite is what zone is this? Like four times because you can't see the little colored circle on the card. That's like, yeah, like three feet from the camera. It it's creates all these little stutters where like a hundred percent of the time, if I can play in person on a day, I, I skipped the, um, provisional webcam provisional last weekend so that I could play locals. And I have no regrets, even though like the, the provisional prizes right now are great. I just wanted to go play the, the game without any of the stutters. It's those little bits that add up and frustrate me enough where I'd rather just take a lo- much lower EV event just just to have more fun playing it. Um, yeah. That all said, okay, so that like sounds like I'm saying don't play webcam, and I'm not um, because... Uh, you know, the, the preface to all this was webcam gives us access to things that we wouldn't normally have. Um, and so like, I've been hearing a lot of reports from our, um, our league players. We just finished a, I still can't believe this, a 67 player, my hero academia league on our discord. Um, which was like, I, you know, blew me away. That was awesome. It was our first one. We had 67 people come out to play. And um, I've heard, I've had so far, and people are very nice in the community, but I've heard nothing but positive feedback about the event. Um, People saying they they really enjoyed having the opportunity to play these games with people. Our leagues are, are structured so that they're play when you want um, over a week. You, you can play up to, up to three games in a week 
and you just find opponents when you have time. So they're not like the provisional or something where you, you have to go, okay, well, um, block out an entire day. Yep, This day I'm only sitting at my computer and playing webcam events. Um, it's instead, you know what? I got an hour. Uh, let me see if there's someone who wants to play right now. Um, and you can record up to three of those games per week. Um, and people are really in, and, and the reason I do this, and this is like, I'm not, I didn't mean to have this podcast just be like, Dan explains why he made leagues. Uh, but the reason that I set it up this way in particular is because, uh, of how annoyed I get playing webcam events and, um, being able to pull out of, pull out that, um, time restraint, pull out that sort of like nervousness about the like caliber of the event or whatever. Like I, I, when I played in the provisional uh, webcam provisional, I played a few rounds in one, uh, month or two ago, um, I was, even I was nervous going into it. I was like, I don't know who I'm going to face here. I don't know. It's my first webcam event and I don't want to screw up. I don't want to, I don't want to put my hand in the wrong place and get disqualified or something, you know? Um, so I made this, this way so that it's a largely leagues are just a casual event where you can come in, find an opponent. We don't, we intentionally don't put time limits on the rounds. Yes. There are decks that, that can be a little more abusive in that type of situation. But it's a concession we make. Most players don't play those decks um, because it's casual enough. The way we weight prizes is focused on playing and not winning, largely. Um, and so it's not something where we have a lot of issues with it, typically. And I, I've also found it from some feedback here. Some people enjoyed the opportunity of being able to play against these like grindy decks that they don't normally get to play against. Um, because it broadens your horizons when you're playing that. If someone does sit down from you at a tournament now with Mineta 2 or something in my hero, this is an example, he's a very controlly character. Um, if you've been playing the league and you played some of these people playing this deck, you've seen more of the lines of play and you might be able to now like figure out how to win the game faster and take actual wins against this opponent where previously, just because people, people if it's a character people don't play because they're like, well, you got to have enough time to win. Um, and, and he's too slow or something, then you will go up against someone who's actually been practicing with this character and have had no experience playing against him. And you're not going to have a chance to win. Um, so I think it's really, I think there's a boon to that too, of, of just being able to like, uh, not have any of those, um, hurdles to, uh, to the, the time in the event and, and being able to just play your matches until they're finished. Um, and, I, th- I feel that at least, you know, it makes it so that it's, I'm more interested in playing in an event like that personally, because I can just fit it into my schedule when I want to. And I can, I can choose to do things that make me less annoyed, um, with the game that way. And that's, and that makes me more interested in playing. So, um, you know, overall, I think webcam events are a, a nice thing to have, and that's why we support them in this way. Um, and I think I think if there's any take-home message for anyone who hasn't played one, uh, it's that I th- think you shouldn't be too afraid of playing them. Um, if you know, join our leagues, right, is a great place to start. But even in the provisionals, even in the regionals, you know, like those prizes are insane. You shouldn't be too afraid of of hopping in and and trying them. But you do want to think about your setup, right? You do want to figure out um, where to put your webcam. Uh, above your desk somehow. Most people just put it on like their monitor and point it down or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, point it angled towards their towards their table. Um, but definitely think about your lighting um, to make things easier on you. 
Uh, but it's really, it shouldn't be that as scary as it is for people, I think, too. Yeah, and the lighting doesn't need to be anything crazy, too. Like, uh, Jess played in the regional as well. And, of course, I have my fancy lights because I do the, the videos. But she just had the regular lights in the living room. And they were very sufficient. Everyone was able to see her stuff fine. I think the most important part is the camera being at least, like, a quality where you can, you know, make out the picture on your card at least. Because most... Most players that are going to play an upper-level tournament, like, they'll know what the card is based on the picture. They might not know all the details, so they can just ask you that. But um, the important part is position your camera in such a way. Um, if I if I was the one making the rules for what your webcam should be, position in such a way where you can see an entire mat's worth of space um, for, at a decent angle so we can identify what, car, what the cards are. And then... Um, for your own personal, you don't have to do this. It just bothers me that some people have their camera positioned directly above because then you have the problem where the opponent's going to be able to see your hand or at least enough of your hand to where they know what's in your hand. Um, it's better to position it like kind of like you said, like you put it on your monitor, angle it down, and then you sit kind of a little bit far away. Oh, green screen. Back <laughs> um, so that way they're looking at you the way they look at you across the table. So position your camera as though you were positioning your opponent's head. You want them to see your field and then you from the front. So you can hold your hand up and you can see your cards, but they can't see it, but they can always see where your hand is at all times. Because that's the that's one of the few rules that they have for it. Fixing the green screen. There we go. Uh, the, the one thing that they the rule they always have is your hand and your hands, like your hand of cards and your hand must always be in view at all times. And anytime your hands would leave the view... You have to do a thing where you bring it in, you have to show your palms up and your palms down to make sure you're not palming a card, and then you can handle any card. But um, I think that's the best advice I can give, is position your camera in such a way where you're imagining your opponent's head looking from that direction, because that way it's easier to position it far enough away where they can see your whole field, and you don't have to show them your hand when you're playing. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. And and what, the, um, what you'll need to do each... Uh, in any event, will sort of be dependent on the game and the company running it too. Um, I think Jasco uh, for My Hero is a little bit more strict than some other games are. Um, so you do want to at least just like look at what the sort of the guidelines are. And if you're con if you're concerned at all, just uh, pop on to like whatever Discord or whatever and just ask, hey, I'm I was planning on playing in this event that's coming up, this online event. What do I need to know about you know what what are some tips you have? Most communities are great, and we'll just help you out. Um, and if you are, if your first experience is going to be with one of our leagues, just hop on there and, and, uh, hop into our discord in the link down below and, uh, and just ask me there and we'll, you know, we'll fill you in on whatever we kind of expect, but because we're pretty casual, our expectations are pretty low. And if anyone is really cheating in our leagues to win, like, you know, like a, a $30 worth of product or something, I guess, like that's. Um, if, at the at the risk of being permanently banned from the server, instead, it's that's it's like the risk reward just isn't very high, right? So we don't expect it to happen um, too much. So or the risk is too high compared to the reward. But um, yeah, I think I think we've gone a, a bit well over time here. But uh, really, <laughs> well, we had we had a lot to talk about, and, and um, I really appreciate all your thoughts, especially Jordan on on online play because. Um, you've been, uh, definitely at the forefront of it in our individual group here. So it's been, 
really nice to hear um, some of your tips and everything. And I, I hope the audience kind of appreciated getting some of those. And if you guys have your own experiences playing uh, playing TCGs online, whether it be through digital uh, digital specific card games or digital implementations like Tabletop Simulator or Untap, or playing webcam with uh, in major events or just with your friends, um, we would love to hear what your experiences are like down and share them in the comments below. Let us know what you guys think about playing digital games um, and or playing playing online TCGs. Uh, and with that said, that's going to sort of wrap up this episode of the main deck podcast. We will be back again. Um, our next episode is planned to be with Kevin, I believe Kevin's going to be joining us and it should be a sort of interesting one. This will be a one that's, um, intentionally very focused this time on the, my hero academia card game. And we're going to be talking about, um, about the future a little bit, and it should be kind of fun. So um, hope you guys come back for that one. Stay tuned for that and stay tuned for more episodes of the main deck podcast. I've been Dan. This has been Jordan and we had a great time chatting with you guys and we will see you guys in the next one. Take care, everyone. <laughs>